0: Alright, well I'm very glad to be here today and as I was contemplating what to share, I had asked um, my friend uh, Maria Johnson what the theme passage was for this year and she told me about Proverbs chapter 2 and so um, I decided in looking at Proverbs chapter 2 that that would be a good chapter on which to base my message this morning and um, the title of the message that I have for you today is called The Wealth of Wisdom. You know, we a lot of times we talk about wealth in today's society as something that we want to pursue. Most of us would say that we could use a little bit more wealth. Even the richest among us, um, people like Norman Rockefeller uh, in the past, would be asked, How much is enough wealth? And they would often say, just a little bit more. That was a common refrain. And um, I think all of us, at one point or another, or in one context or another, would have a similar thought as far as our personal budget goes. But when we talk about the wealth of wisdom, we're talking about something that is far more important. The psalmist said, I desire your word more than my necessary food. And so as we open Proverbs chapter 2 today, we do so um, on a quest. Actually, it's kind of interesting because when I was uh, in high school, my dad used to wake us up really early in the morning, like 5 a.m. before he went to work. And we would um, do wisdom searches in the book of Proverbs. We would read the Proverbs for the day, and we would read um, often five psalms a day. And for many months, we would go through the Psalms and the Proverbs every month. And we would just search for the wisdom in those books. Um, and we were homeschooled, so that was a good way to start out the day and, and um, get us ready to then study our courses Um, So as we look at this passage in Proverbs chapter 2, my first point in the wealth of wisdom is acquiring wisdom. So Proverbs chapter 2 verse 1 to 5 says, My son, if thou wilt receive my words, and hire my commandments with thee, so that thou incline thine ear unto wisdom, and apply thine heart to understanding, Yea, if thou criest after knowledge, and liftest up thy voice for understanding; if thou seekest her as silver, and searchest for her as hid treasure, then shalt thou understand the fear of the Lord, and find the knowledge of God. Now, there's there's several things here that are definitive. Um, That's the nature of God is to be definitive. He doesn't say maybe this will happen. He says definitely this will happen. And so he says, if you receive my words, the Proverbs is often written um, from a father to a son, and Proverbs 31 is kind of written from a mother to a son, so it's very much centered on parental instruction. And so he says if you will receive my words, and hide my commandments with thee. And then he says, in order to do that, you have to incline your ear unto wisdom, and apply your heart to understanding. A lot of times we say, well, we want wisdom, we don't know how to deal with a certain situation, But we don't want to do what's necessary to get wisdom. Um, The book of James says, if you desire wisdom, ask of God who giveth uh, to all men. Um, And he doesn't hold back. He gives it liberally and abradeth not. But then it it goes on to say in the following verse, ask in faith, nothing wavering. So it's very clear that the pursuit of wisdom is something to take seriously. And so then as we go through this, we see, um, apply that heart unto understanding. And then we see if that you cry after knowledge. It's important that wisdom and understanding come before knowledge, because knowledge by itself puffs up. Wisdom gives us the tools in which to properly use knowledge. So, and then it uses the language of des- desperation because it says, Christ after knowledge, and lift to stop thy voice for understanding. If you as her as silver, or search for her as were for hidden treasures, then shalt thou understand the fear of the Lord, and find the knowledge of God. So we're supposed to seek wisdom as we would a great treasure. If you're seeking treasure, if you would go back in your mind to the gold rush of 1849, there were many people that gave up what they had as their livelihood to go and run after gold. Because they had this desperate desire to find that gold, because gold was very valuable and it's very important to them to find it. And that is the kind of urgency with which we should search for wisdom. That should typify the way that we go about using wisdom or finding wisdom in our daily life so that we can use it to um, make wise decisions and avoid mistakes. So, very important that we have a solid um, attitude that runs after wisdom full force. And then it says, Then shalt thou thou understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. Um, If we want to know what God has for us, then we seek wisdom. Um, Jesus said, You are my friend's. Because a a servant does not know what his master does. But but you are my friend because I have told you everything that I am doing. And often in the New Testament, the disciples didn't understand what Jesus said. But he always spoke plainly to them. And even after he was arrested, he said, why did you wait so long to take me? Because I always spoke plainly in the temple and did nothing in secret. But there were things that could not be revealed to the disciples, or would not be revealed to the disciples until they had the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, which we as New Testament believers have access to from the moment we trust Jesus for our salvation. So, our first point, what is acquiring Wisdom. We can't acquire wisdom unless we do the things that it says here in this passage to get wisdom. We can't just naturally wake up and be wise just because we decide to be wise. Now, there are decisions along the way, but it's not just an overnight decision. We decided to be wise, so are wise. It takes time, it takes effort, it takes desire. And even the desire to a degree is given to us from God because the Bible says no one seeks after God, no one is righteous, no not one. If we could look by way of cross reference at Ephesians 1 verses 15 to 18, Ephesians 1 15 to 18, um, whoever gets there, if you could read that for me, I would appreciate it.
1: are the riches of of the glory of
0: his inheritance in, in the saints. So this is a prayer that Paul prayed for the Ephesians. And he's thankful for their fellowship in the gospel. He's thankful that they want to love and serve God. And he prays for more wisdom to come to them. Because that is the sustaining power of the Christian life. Is attaining wisdom and getting it from the right sources. The wisdom of God is foolishness to the world. The Bible says that the cross is foolishness to them that perish. When we talk to people about the cross of Christ, they just don't understand unless they've been, unless their eyes have been opened. But there was a time when we our eyes were not opened to the cross of Christ. And so we need to keep that in mind just wanted to share this quick quote and it says wisdom is the power to see and the inclination to choose the best and the highest goal together with the surest means of attaining it and there's a lot here but basically what J.I. Packer is saying is he's saying that the only way to get wisdom, the only way to have the power is through the Holy Spirit and through God relationship with the living God There's only one path to wisdom, and that's through Jesus. And so if we try to do it another way, then we will fail. So our second point on this path to the wealth of wisdom is advancing in wisdom. Once we have attained to a certain level of wisdom, which comes to us as we have trusted Christ, and as we are walking in Him, then we need to advance in wisdom. One of the things that I think often gets misinterpreted in the way that we preach the gospel today is we say to people, come as you are, but we don't challenge them as God challenges them, which is, come as you are, but don't stay there. Jesus, our God said, or Peter said through God in one of his epistles, desire the sincere milk of the word that you may grow thereby. And there's another passage where Paul says we need to advance from milk to meat. We don't stay on milk. All you have to do is look at a baby in order to understand this. A baby spends six months to a year, sometimes a little longer, on its mother's milk or on formula. And eventually the Gerber baby food bottles come out and they start to experience solid foods. For the first time. And then once they get teeth, they can experience things like steak or hamburgers. Things that we would never give them as little babies because they would never be able to eat them. And just like that baby, we as believers have certain thresholds that we have at at certain times of our Christian life. But as we advance, as we grow, as we get more wisdom, we need to be able to continue to add to it and advance in our Christian life. Yes, it's true that we, we will never be perfected this side of glory, but we should be striving for perfection throughout our, throughout our whole Christian experience. So, as we advance in wisdom, we will read more about that in Proverbs 2.6-11. Proverbs 2.6 says to under or sorry, I was almost in the wrong proverb there. Proverbs 2.6 to 11 says, For the Lord giveth wisdom, out of his mouth cometh knowledge and understanding. He layeth up sound wisdom for the righteous. He is a buckler to them that walk uprightly. He keepeth the path of judgment and preserveth the way of saints. Thou shalt then shalt thou understand righteousness and judgment and equity. And every good path. Yea, every good path. When wisdom entereth into thy heart, and knowledge is pleasant to thy soul, discretion shall preserve thee, and understanding shall keep thee. So, we look at this passage. First, we we see the Lord giveth wisdom. The Lord, once again, is underscored as the source of wisdom. And then out of his mouth cometh knowledge and understanding. You want to follow the Lord. You want to follow Jesus. You have to know what he teaches. And all through the gospels and even some into Acts, we have the words of Christ to teach us the ways of Christ so that we can do what Christ would do. We, there was a, there was a craze a while back probably about 10, 15 years ago, where everybody was wearing WWJD bracelets. People still wear them, um, but it really got to a craze level about 10, 15 years ago where everybody was wearing them. But if you just have the bracelet and you just look at the letters and you don't have a change in your spirit, in your heart, WWJD doesn't mean anything. And um, so we need to make sure that if we really want to know what Jesus would do, we read the word so we find out, hey, this is what Jesus would actually do. And then we have this. He layeth up sound wisdom for the righteous. So if we have accepted him, if we have accepted his righteousness for our sins... Then He's laying up wisdom for us because He promises that He will lay up wisdom for the righteous. He is a buckler to them that walk uprightly. He is safety for us. He's protection for us. And then it says, He keepeth the paths of judgment and preserveth the way of the saints. He does the work. The Bible says in Philippians chapter 2, verse 13, that it is God who worketh in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. In Philippians 1 verse 6 it says, um, that he, will, he who has begun a good work in you will be faithful to complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. So an important thing for us to know is that God does the work. And in this pursuit of wisdom, we realize that God gives us the wisdom and God, as I talked about earlier, gives us the desire for the wisdom to be able to do the works that He has for us. And then it says um, that if He, uh, um, that, that if He is our buckler and He's preserving our way, then we will understand righteousness and judgment and equity and every good path. You know, especially um, during construction season which never seems to end in Michigan, we have to decide often which way to go when we're trying to get around a construction zone. And sometimes our GPS will be kind enough to give us an alternate route. Sometimes the uh, construction people toy with us because they do construction on the most logical detour that's already being constructed. Um, But if we take this to a spiritual level, if we want to know exactly where to go, God is the answer for that. And He will direct our paths. You know, there's another proverb that says, man plans his way, but the Lord directs his steps. I've heard certain people say, well, if there's two really good options, how do I know which is God's will? I think there are times... When God clearly, clearly states in no uncertain terms, these are this is my will for you. But I also believe that sometimes there are two very good options, and whichever one you take, if God wants to redirect you, He will do so. And if you are fully in tune to what He is saying, He will show you what that answer is. Just to give you an example, I was homeschooled, basically my whole life. I spent a couple years in public school, uh, kindergarten and first grade, and a little bit of preschool. But then from then on, I was homeschooled all through high school and technically college because I did my college correspondence. And I was really frustrated about my job prospects back in 2011. I had been out of work for a couple of years after working at Guiding Light Mission down in Grand Rapids for a year and I was really frustrated because there there just didn't seem to be a lot of stuff out there that I could do or that more importantly made me passionate to do. Um, I had done telemarketing for 10 years and I didn't want to go back to that just because that seemed to be my number one skill is um, verbal communication and would have been tempting just find the nearest telemarketing job but I knew I wanted more and I went to family camp with my family as I did for many summers and there was a family there who had their kids in Potter's House Christian School and one of the the mother of the family was talking to me several times that week but one of our conversations was if you have your bachelor's degree you should see about substitute teaching at the ponders house or volunteering for their for them and so i went home i filled out the volunteer application and my substitute teaching application and i volunteered there for 5 years 2 years after i started volunteering i started substitute teaching and 5 years after i started volunteering i was taken on as a permanent employee first um, as a temporary employee doing um, fire watch because we didn't have a fire alarm when we started school and so I had to go through the building and and make sure everything was secure. Now that's still part of my job, but I also work as an on site substitute teacher and I was able to convince them to bring me on permanently after my temporary assignment ended. But all that to say that I never expected to be working in a school as somebody that had been homeschooled my entire life um, did not get very much of my education in a school building at all. If, I, if you had asked me nine years ago, would I work in a school, I would say absolutely not. But at this point, it's the best job I've ever had, and I love to go to work every day, and I'm excited about the start of a new school year tomorrow um, to be back in school and see my kids again, and my wonderful co-workers will become like a family to me. So, God will direct our steps, and sometimes He gives us surprises along the way. Oftentimes, He gives us surprises along the way. It's said that if we want to make God laugh, we should tell Him our plans, (laughs) because His plans are definitely different. Oftentimes. So, then it says in verse 10. When wisdom enters thy heart and knowledge is pleasant unto thy soul, discretion shall preserve thee and understanding shall keep thee. So, as you go on through this life, wisdom becomes more important to you to pursue. When you're young in the faith or when, you, when you're young as a child, you don't necessarily think about the wise option. You know, a child, if you ask him what he wants for dinner, he might say, I want ice cream that I want ice cream to be my main course. Um, But our parents know that that's not good for us. So they don't allow us to do that. And they give us a little bit of ice cream at the end of our meal if we've eaten our vegetables. Because they know that's what's important for us. And I think as you grow in your faith, the pursuit of wisdom will be important. You'll say... I want to do this. My natural inclination is to do this. But let me pray and seek God and find wisdom and see what he has to say about it. And then he says, knowledge is pleasant to your soul. Instead of just going off half and being like, I'm going to do this. I don't have to read the directions. That's a common trope. Men don't read directions. <laughs> but if I can encourage you, men should be reading the directions. And the directions are right here in the Bible. Okay. An understanding shall keep thee. See, all these things that we're talking about today are to keep us on the right path. That's what it's about. I saw a meme a few weeks ago, and it still speaks to me. And it it said this, that when God says no, think about it this way. The finished sentence would probably say don't hurt yourself because a lot of times we don 't see what 's around the corner, but he does, and so he makes sure that we are aware of how something or He tries to make sure um, that we are preserved, because he cares about us. All right. And I would like to look at Colossians three fifteen to seventeen by way of cross reference. Colossians three fifteen to seventeen. If you get there, just read it for us. That would be awesome. Colossians three what was it? Fifteen, 15 to seventeen.
1: Rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you were called to peace. And be thankful. Let the words of Christ dwell in you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom, and as you sing praises, psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs with gratitude in your hearts to God. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus giving thanks to God the Father
0: through him. I want you to notice something. In the middle of that passage there, it says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. And then once the word of Christ dwells in you richly, then he says, whatever you do, do to the glory of God. When the word of Christ dwells in you richly, that gives you the power to do the things that he calls you to do. And this quote that I have to read to you, when I came across it, it really convicted me. It says this, as we're talking about advancing in wisdom, wisdom is the reward that you get for a lifetime of listening when you would have preferred to talk. Now, as a as a preacher and as some as a teacher, I like to talk. So I have been trying to be exercised to be a better listener. Listening to understand instead of listening to reply. So this, this quote will hopefully stay with me for many days and years to come. So that I can remember that. And that was by a man by the name of uh, Doug Larson. So I think it's an important quote to keep in mind. Alright, as we continue on, we come to our third point, And that is um, the issue of avoiding evil. Once we have acquired wisdom and we are advancing in wisdom, we can then be prepared to avoid evil. A lot of times we think of just um, shunning temptation as, if I'm faced with this, then i just say no to it. But we also need to consider that we need to be prepared for it. Like Daniel, when he chose not to eat the king's food, it says before he was offered the king's food that he had already purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself. Before the temptation came, he already knew if this temptation comes, this is what I'm going to do with it. And so we need to take that to heart as well. Proverbs 2:12 to 19 reads, "To deliver thee from the way of the evil men, from men that speaketh froward things, who leave the paths of up- uprightness, to walk in the ways of darkness, who rejoice to do evil and delight in the frowardness of the wicked, whose ways are crooked and they froward in their paths. To deliver thee from the strange woman, even from the stranger which flattereth with her words which forsaketh the guide of her youth and forgetteth the covenant of her God. For her house inclineth unto death and her paths are unto the dead. None that go unto her return again, neither take they hold of the path of life. So we've already talked about acquiring wisdom from God. We've talked about advancing in wisdom by having God as our buckler. In the end of the last section we read, it said, discretion shall preserve thee, understanding shall keep thee, and then we see why discretion means to keep us. It's to deliver us from the paths of evil men. And we talk about how they leave the paths of uprightness to walk in the ways of darkness. And especially in, in um, recent days as we've seen certain people that have been known to speak for God um, walk away from the path and some even say, I don't believe, even believe in Christianity anymore. We need to be very discerning about who we're following, what they believe, and whether we're following a person rather than the work of Jesus. Jesus. Um, I preached a couple weeks ago about that I I do believe strongly that eternal security is a thing. It's not about whether you have eternal security. It's about what your security is in, in in the first place. If your security is in your wealth, it's not going to be eternal. If your security is doing God's will your own way, it's not going to be eternal. The only way that your security is going to be eternal is if your, your eyes are focused on Jesus, who is the author and the finisher of your faith. And then we talk about how discretion will deliver us from the way of the evil men. And they rejoice to do evil... And delight in forwardness. Remember what it says in First Corinthians chapter thirteen, it says that love rejoices in the truth. And um, then we see warnings about the strange woman whose ways are crooked, or we talk about these evil men whose ways are crooked, and then we talk about to deliver them from the strange woman. Even from the stranger which flattereth with her words. There's a difference between flattery and comments. Comments um are, are uh compliments. Compliments should build up character. Flattery deals with things that um cater to our vanity and have only one goal, and that is to um make us do what they want us to do. Um which is basically what it describes for the adulterous woman that she's trying to lead us away. And then it says, None that go unto a return again, neither take they hold of the paths of life. So this is the opposite of wisdom. When you follow the world, when you've chosen to reject God, there's no hope for you. Because the Bible says, There's only one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus. And we cannot reach God ourselves because we are evil without His intervention. So if we want to be on the path of life, we need to cling to the wisdom that we've been talking about so that we can avoid evil. You notice the progress of the evil too. If you look in Psalm chapter 1, it says about standing in the way of sinners. Um, And then it talks about um, eventually um, walking with the wicked and sitting in the seat of the scornful. So there's a process of standing, listening to what they have to say, then sit, then, um, uh, while walking with them, standing to hear what they have to say and then finally sitting in and participating with them if we allow ourselves to do that. So we need to make sure that we keep ourselves from that and the way to do that is to continue to walk in wisdom. Can we look at Proverbs 4, 14 to 17 for some additional insight? Proverbs 4, 14-17, for additional insight on avoiding evil.
1: Do not enter the path of the wicked. Do not walk in the way of evil. Avoid it. Do not travel on it. Turn away from it and pass on it. Do not sleep unless they have done evil. And their sleep is taken away unless they make someone fall. For they eat the bread of wickedness and drink the wine of violence the path to the just like the shining sun that shines ever brighter unto the perfect day.
0: I didn't count the times that it says do not or pass by, but I bet it's five or six, maybe even seven times in that little three or four verse passage it says do not, do not, do not, pass on by. And it's because we are a stubborn and stiff-necked people, and we need those warnings. And it talks about, we read in here, about darkness versus light, because it says that the righteous, the path of the righteous, is like a a bright and shining sun that shineth unto the perfect day. And it talks in Philippians about how we can shine as righteous people, as believers, in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation. Because when Jesus make, when Jesus encounters someone, he makes all the difference in the world. Quick story: Roaming in the woods, some boys found a nest containing two linnet fledglings, which they managed to capture and take home. Securing some plain wooden bird cages, they put one of the linnets in each and hung them on either side of a canary. They explained to their mother that they hoped the linnets, being so young, Learned to imitate the canary instead of cheeping as linnets ordinarily do. The mother smiling, smilingly questioned the likelihood of the plan succeeding. The next day, the boys entered the room and explained, "Mother, come here. Our canary is cheeping like a linnet." And so it was. The canary had to be separated from the wild birds of the wood and kept under cover for a time before he regained his song. Surely there is a lesson here for all Christians. Fellowship with the world does not lead the godless to take the way of the Lord, but generally results in a believer losing his joyous song and taking on the speech and the manners of the world. And um, it says right here in the beginning of the story, um, I. it says, evil communications corrupt good manners. And I've always said that's one of the most clear passages of Scripture. Or, um, another uh, translation, evil company corrupts good manners. Um, uh, and I've always said that's one of the more clear passages of Scripture. You don't have to do it. Detailed exegesis on it. You don't have to look up the Strong's or, you know, try to figure out what the other means. He's he's talking very practically, almost like he's talking out of the Proverbs right there. And so, then we move on to our fourth and final point, which is anticipating eternity. As we acquire wisdom, as we advance in wisdom, and as we seek to avoid evil, one of our motivations should be that we anticipate eternity. Proverbs 2.20-22 says, That thou mayest walk in the way of good men and keep the paths of the righteous. For the upright shall dwell in the land and the perfect shall remain in it, but the wicked shall be cut off from the earth and the transgressors shall be rooted out of it. So we see here that we have hope for the future. The upright shall dwell in the land and the perfect shall remain in it. The Bible says in Revelation, I saw a new heaven and a new earth and the old heaven and the old earth were passed away. So even though we will be taken up, Lord willing, um, if, we are, if we do not pass away, I believe, um, before Jesus comes back, we will be taken up. There is... Um, promise that we will return to earth, that it will be a new heaven and a new earth and that everything will be perfection. We read in Romans chapter 8 that even the, the whole of nature groans for Jesus to come and make things right. And then it says, but the wicked shall be cut off from the earth and transgressors shall be rooted out of it. Now, we all deserve that punishment because we're all wicked and transgressors. Paul said, such were some of you, but you are washed, but you are justified, but you are sanctified. And so, if you know the Lord Jesus Christ, then you don't have to worry about being rooted out of the earth. The Bible says the meek will inherit the earth. We will inherit the earth. Someday, as a part of his family, we are co-heirs with Jesus. But if you haven't accepted Jesus Christ, then you will suffer the fate of the wicked and be cut off from the earth. So I would urge anyone listening to trust Jesus Christ today. The thing that he did for us when he died on Calvary's cross, is that He took our sin and He offered us His righteousness. As I mentioned before, He became sin for us who knew no sin that we might be made the righteousness of God in Him. So we don't have to fear being cut off from the earth. For surely there is a hereafter. And Jesus said that if we know Him, that we don't need to be troubled by it. He said, Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in in me, in my Father's house, where many are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you, and if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again to receive you, that where I am, and there you may be also. And when um, the disciples were gazing into heaven, when Jesus went up in the ascension, Two men in shining garments came to them and said, Why stand ye gazing into heaven? This same Jesus, which went up in heaven, shall so, shall so come in like manner again. And then they basically commissioned the disciples to do the work that God called them to do. And so it is with us. We have been commissioned, as it says in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus, To do good works, which God hath before ordained, that we should walk in them. So we need to keep that in mind as we are pursuing eternity, anticipating eternity. If we look really quickly at Psalm 8411, Psalm 8411.
1: God is a sun and shield. The Lord bestows favor and honor. No good thing does he withhold. For those whose walk is blameless.
0: This, is, this um, verse I think is important on a couple levels. First of all. He, he talks about being a shield and a protection again. And then there is that phrase. No good thing will he, withhold, will he withhold. To those whose walk is blameless. And. I look at that and I say, I believe it because it's in the Bible and I believe it. But sometimes it's hard to believe it because there are things that I feel would be good things for me that he has as yet withheld. Specifically in my life, I've been praying for years and I will continue to pray for a wife. But I think that's also where the wisdom comes in. Because God God will know when I'm ready for that. And the things that we think are good are not necessarily good for us. We know what happened to Abram when he went ahead of God and decided to procure an heir through his own means. And he created a lot of unrest, which still exists in the Middle East because of his indiscretion, because of his sin. And so we need to realize that God's wisdom will give us every good thing that we need so when we look at it through the lens of wisdom we know that that's true no good thing will he withhold from those who walk uprightly in the city of Sydney Australia late one evening a British naval officer walked down a well known street suddenly he heard a voice behind him which said if you should be called into eternity within the next 24 hours your soul will either be in heaven or hell these arresting words of this unknown man burned their way into his soul until he felt the need as a sinner before God, unfit for his holy presence, and unprepared for eternity. Later, he sought to find the way of salvation and placed all his confidence in Christ and his work in redemption. He thus entered into possession of eternal life. The remarkable thing is that several other people had the same experience in the same place by hearing the same words spoken by the same Elderly Christian man. They too were awakened by these words to see their need as sinners and to prepare for eternity and accepted Christ as their Savior. Francis Dixon, godly minister of Lansdowne Baptist Church, Barmouth, narrated from the personal testimonies of those who had had the experience the details of several who were led to consider what their eternal state would be on hearing the words of the Christian man on the street in Sydney and had received the Lord Jesus Christ as a result. He told us in Kunor how he had sought out the faithful brethren in Sydney when he had been there on a visit, and how the aged servant of Christ, on hearing how God had blessed his simple words of witness, had broken down and wept with joy. One final thing to say as you're contemplating eternity, your own personal place in eternity, is that human souls, the souls of those that we love, are really the only thing we can take with us to the next life. You won't see a hearse pouring you all. You can't take your gold or your silver or any of your um, belongings with you. But you can take the souls of your friends, family, and children with you if they know Christ. And so, to teach them Christ, to preach to them Christ, is the highest of ideals and the highest of opportunities. So, I would just encourage you to be exercised, to know, to pray for, for opportunities, to share the Lord Jesus Christ with others. Often it's not about going door to door, pounding on doors and passing out tracks. Often it's just listening to people, hearing what they're going through and responding as God would have you respond. One of my favorite personal stories in this regard is one time I was sitting at the Grand Rapids bus station. I used to go there for a couple hours before work because my dad started two hours earlier than I did. So he would drop me off at 6.30 to be at work at 9. So I would sit at the bus for a couple hours before I got on the city bus to go to work. And one day I was sitting there reading my Bible. And two men got off the Greyhound bus, which is at the same station. Walked in and started talking to me. And as they sat down and started talking to me, I, I... Notice their accents, and I, if I recall correctly, I asked them where they were from. Maybe they volunteered the information. But they actually told me that they were from Ethiopia. And so I opened my Bible, and I told them the story of the Ethiopian eunuch, and how he had trusted Jesus Christ to be his Lord and Savior, and that he had been baptized in faith because he believed with all his heart that Jesus was the Son of God. Now, I don't know um, if they did accept Jesus Christ. I, didn't, I wasn't privileged to uh, see that happen. But just the, the fact that God would lead two men from Ethiopia to a bus station in Grand Habits and he would lay that story on my heart shows that God will give us opportunities if we're open to them. We can't be open to them. We can't be used by him unless we're plugged into the power source. Jesus said, abide in me and my words will abide in you. So may we all take from this passage in Proverbs chapter 2 that we need to seek the wealth of wisdom over the wealth of men that we need to acquire wisdom, that we need to advance in wisdom, that we need to avoid evil, and that we need to anticipate eternity. Let's close in prayer. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for your word. Lord, we thank you for your promise that where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am in the midst of them. And we thank you for being here today. Lord, we pray that you would be with each of us as we go our separate ways. And Lord you know the hearts of those that are listening whether they are here today or whether they will um, listen to the recording Lord I just pray that you would um, be with every one of us and help us to have hearts that are sold out for you and to rely on you uh, for everything that we need because you are the, the not only the creator but the sustainer and may we trust you to do that We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well,
1: thank you so much for coming.